Hi, and welcome to the Silver Screen Queens podcast. Every week we watch a movie and sit down here to talk about it. I'm Katie. I'm Mel. And we're your hosts. This week we watched Now You See Me Too, directed by John M. Chu and released in 2016. The plot of the movie goes something like this. The four horsemen resurface and are forcibly recruited by a tech genius to pull off their most impossible heist yet. The four horsemen being the magicians from the first movie called yes. Now You See Me. And um, if you don't remember anything from that movie, don't worry. I remembered nothing going yep. into this one. And I didn't even remember Dave Franco was in the first movie. I knew that, but they do give you a plot recap at the start, which is good yeah. because I didn't remember much of the plot other than that Mark Ruffalo was revealed at the end to be the guy pulling the strings. I remembered that bit and the, the um, Isla Fisher, whoever thought up this trick is a sick sadist bit. Mm. Oh, and there's a Jesse Eisenberg handcuffs bit. Uh, that was basically all I remembered from. I didn't remember Michael Caine was in it. He showed up and I was like, oh, I think he was in the first Oh, one. I remembered him. I remembered him. I, I had so much trouble. And I, I, I remembered that Morgan Freeman, I remembered the Morgan yeah. Freeman in the cell bit yeah. once it got mentioned. <laughs> yeah. But I knew he was in the first one. And I remembered he was a skeptic for some reason. But mm-hmm. yeah. And then in this one, the, the reveal of him as one of the magicians is so obvious and like, yeah. I was like, oh, yeah, he's been working. I mean, it was so obvious. That wasn't even a reveal so much as a, like, confirmation of your suspicions. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, yeah, well, the the reveal was more like which side he was on rather than. Oh, no, I I mean, I kind of, that's what I meant. I I knew he was, I knew that's what they were going to do because they had to rival the first one's, Mm. like, insane reveal, which which they didn't really because it was so dumb in the first one. But they had to rival it because that's the second movie. So yeah, they had but to do got something. On, but yeah, they didn't. It, well, it didn't feel like it did in the first one. The first one was actually a reveal. Um, yes, but it was also dumb. It, it it didn't make sense the first time, and it still doesn't make sense now. These movies don't make a lot of sense. There's no. lots. It's it's like magic itself. Lots of sound and fury and flashing lights and exciting things to look at. But if you actually look underneath and see what's going on, it's all like held together with wires and pulleys. And I'm aware of this, but I still had so much more fun watching this movie than the other movie we saw today. Mm. Um, I, I, and I knew that it was, but I think I knew going in that it was going to be not very good because the first one I didn't even barely remembered. And I, I had, remember yeah, everything. From I had movies. very low expectations on, actually had, we saw this and Money Monster today and I had low expectations on both of them. Um, which was probably good in this one. Cause yeah, I mean, I, my, I kept thinking I have notes. Like every time I spent, I, I would, some line would just be off or they would they um they hung a lantern on the fact that they only have one girl in the team and also that they've replaced her since the last movie and i was just like yeah none of the girls from the first movie came yeah. back for this and that just comes off as moffateering to me because it's just like it no, was ugly. the thing is i found lizzie kaplan so adorable and charming in this yeah, movie I love that her. i that i for, like i forgave her, I guess. Yeah. Even though, even though she said, I'm not like other girls, and that just made me yeah. really angry. For the rest of the movie, I loved her. Right. Um, I, I, that annoyed me too. But I was so, there were so many annoying things in the script, and she had to hold a lot of that stuff in the script. She had to, she actually had to do the, um, the calling the attention to the dumb sexist stuff. Yeah. She actually had to hold a lot of that crap. Like those those lines, she had to it hold the idiot. Funny ball. because there was there was some sexist crap, but there was also some like some um um what's it called? I always forget this word. 
subverting of tropes. Yeah, yeah. Like the bit where the, where the guys like Hello Doctor and, and Jesse Eisenberg just starts talking and it's And they assumed yeah. that Buffy was the yeah. girl floozy and it's a boy floozy and then yeah. Jesse Eisenberg had to play it and that was really entertaining. Yeah. Yeah, that was great. But, yeah. that, but it's not just that moment. There's quite a few little bits and pieces through the movie where they do things mm. like that. And then they just feed right back into sexist tropes again and it's very strange. Yeah. Um I well I, I think that's why I call it moffateering, because I think they think they're doing the right thing. Yeah, okay. I mean, I, you get it. Um, the I, I, the thing about this movie also it's more like is that Tina they had to replace Isla Fisher. It wasn't like a choice that they. I mean, they had. I, to, I know, I know. She was unavailable for it. Yeah, they 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 couldn't have Isla Fisher for the movie. Um, and but the way they did it, I do think was not great. Surely mm. she could have filmed like a little cameo or something. Yeah. Um, and and uh, there was something. I about- feel like the the shooting schedule for this was. Very tight too. Yeah, it, well, it felt that way in the movie. Well, uh, yeah, because somebody had to stop playing the Hulk and come and do it, and somebody else had to stop playing Lex Luthor and come and do it. Exactly. And yeah, like, and uh, it's probably why they gave Woody Harrelson a twin because that that meant they could do a few extra scenes with him and that pad out. The Woody movie Harrelson a bit. was so terrible as the twin, but he was having so much fun. He doing was it. amazing. I think you mean no, but amazing. He, it was it was a performance that like. To rival Jesse Eisenberg's in Batman versus Superman, <laughs> yeah, like it was that was kind of off so, the wall. Yeah, he was having so much fun. It was um, great. It's funny because because Woody Harrelson kind of uh, can do so well, mm. um, but a lot of the time just doesn't. Mm. Um, he, yeah, yeah, he he's best when he's pushed, but he also has a lot of that natural charisma. So even if he's not pushed, he can still be amusing and fun. Well, I always think of him as um, Hamish now. Oh, right, yeah. Which um, is, that is, he's pushed in that role. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But this, yeah, he, he was having fun. It was, it was such a silly role. The twin chase was, and, and also there's this bit where he says, we're twins. And I'm like, yeah, and they got their nose broken in exactly the same spot. <laughs> yeah. Like, well, they, they also have like exactly the same lines on their face and all this, but yeah, no, it's yeah. obviously silly. Um, they, and they put a lot of work into trying to make them look different. There was a very funny line about the hair that I think might have been, um, oh, yeah, um, old ad-libbed or something. Yeah. I well, I wouldn't be surprised because this also had some clunky lines in it. Michael Caine got the worst dialogue in this movie. He just seemed to be struggling through it. But mm. like Daniel Radcliffe was having so much fun in this movie. He was his his introduction scene had me like nearly rolling on the floor. It was so funny. Yeah, he did yeah. such a good job as the, and as this like sociopathic villain guy mm. that was just really like fun. Yeah, well, he, he that's the kind of role I think Jesse Eisenberg would have loved to play. Well, yeah, Jesse Eisenberg, I think, is the only person in this movie who really doesn't seem to want to be there at all, whether yeah. it's for the paycheck or for the, like, uh, just the enjoyment of yeah. doing it. Um, yeah. It, it did seem... feel like a contractual ob- obligation yeah. with him. Which is why the, um, which is why I like you really liked Lizzie Kaplan. I just think she was great and she's got a lot of spark and a lot of personality that, that was really good. But yeah, he, I don't know. I, I feel like Jesse Eisenberg often doesn't feel doesn't want to be wherever he is doing whatever he just sort of. I know he, he has a lot of off that he, vibe. He also has a lot of anxiety and stuff going yeah. on. Um, but yeah, he. It, I I felt like yeah. this movie maybe was a contractual obligation for yeah. him, and he didn't want to be there as much um, mm-hmm. as a lot of the other people. But also, his role wasn't as much fun. Yeah, it isn't. No, um, but you know, Dave Franco. I think is the one who was like really so got so into magic in the first one that he's been practicing all those card mm-hmm. tricks and things. And I, I'm, I think that also because it looked real when he did yeah. it in the movie. And uh, well, Dave Franco felt like he wanted to be in the first one too. Yeah. That, that I do remember that because I, I, he stood out for me <laughs> in the first film as being like, yeah. Well, the, the problem is there are like two 
young white guys about the same age, about the same sort of build. I mean, they're not. Who came up kind of together. Yeah, yeah. It, it's, it's, I know they're different and they are different, but it just, it's kind of like there is, you know, they're kind of the same um, in a lot of ways. But yeah, um, although they always, they, they do try and make them different characters. They always act as though Dave Franco's like the little brother um, who, you know, everyone's sort of letting drag, letting, you know, hang, tag along with the big kids. Um, but yeah, it, it's hard sometimes to remember the, what the difference between the two of them is. They are significantly different characters, and yet, yeah, it is kind of it, hard. Yeah, I know. Um, but the the card tricks and stuff, I think they, they did that whole big card section because the card tricks. I was so bored in that. That went that on terrible. way yeah, too Yeah, it went on way too long. It was um, so, the, yeah, see, that, that's why I actually did get bored in this film. Uh, it was second of two features that we watched today. It was over two hours long. It was it too was long. It was very long. I looked at my watch a lot. But this was over two hours long and felt long. Yeah. Whereas Money Monster was an hour and a half long and, and felt, felt long like to it me. was over two hours. Yeah. So yeah. I, 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 you know, this one just needed an edit, whereas the other one needed more mm. in the script. Um, yeah. And, and I mean, there are, there's also this major problem that the end of the movie where they do this whole magic trick, but none of the millions of people around the Thames who are watching it get to see any of it happen. Mm. <laughs> like, no. That just, was a weird choice. <laughs> Yeah, they're just kind of, and they're all cheering, and it's so amazing. Yeah, um, yeah. What what are you guys cheering for? Yeah, what do you? I well, mean, at um, least um, the other magic tricks ha- gave you something, and also you watch them, and like there's there's Dave Franco doing a card trick that's not that impressive. There's Lizzie Kaplan doing a bird's trick that's not that impressive, mm. and then there's Jesse Eisenberg doing an incredibly impressive trick with water, mm. like way way beyond what the other two are doing. Yeah, it, it was weird because that was that look. They were all supposed to be like doing a minor trick to build up to a major trick, but, but two of them were major. doing yeah, and two of them were doing like street magic. Yeah, and he was like like controlling water. Yeah, I mean, and then his the, the way they disappeared as well. Like Dave Franco's cards thing was cute, but mm. nowhere near the impressive level of like the the mm. falling onto the ground and disappearing into a puddle of yeah. water thing and, that Jesse Eisenberg does. Too, you're like, explain that one. Yeah, please. they were too busy trying to explain the plane trick, which is, as you put it, been done in an episode of Leverage. But also it was just obvious. <laughs> I like that and, episode um, of Leverage. Yeah. And they, yeah, they were like too busy trying to explain that, even though they kind of explain it as it's happening. Like you see people rolling big equipment into place and all that kind of stuff. So like you sort of, that's not the interesting bit. The interesting bit is how he, how he did that disappearance bit. Oh yeah, they disappear all the time. Like m- movies are always trying to convince you that people can just disappear with a whoosh. Mm. <laughs> so unbelievable. Um, I I was actually watching this going, I can't wait to watch the CinemaSins video of this movie because <laughs> they are going to rip it to shreds. Like yep. all of these these tropes that I see all the time in that um, were in this. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, you know, it just... Thanks, bud. <laughs> the cat took Katie's microphone. <laughs> um, but at the same time, I don't know, it's just like it is really flashy and, and mm. it looks really great and it's all shot in China and there's, you know... Yeah. It, looks really cool and the camera work well, is actually well, really all, great when they're not doing fights and the locations are all real it's really shot in new york and london as well as macau and so they're flashy and interesting and fun yeah and and um the fight scenes by the way are so bad <laughs> weirdly terrible oh. like you guys got get some stunt people in put some masks on them and hold the shot for 30 seconds <laughs> and that, so yeah terrible. and they Wobble the camera around at really weird times. There's a car ride during which I was actually feeling car sick. That didn't bother me, but that that Mark Ruffalo fight. 
Yeah. I couldn't even tell what the tricks he was doing were. Yeah. Because the camera was like, there was just cuts every three seconds and it kept moving away. And I was like, what is he? There was one bit with like a, a curtain that I got. Yeah, yeah. But a lot of the rest of it, I was like, what are the tricks he's doing? Yeah. And it's not like Mark Ruffalo can't cope with that or that they can't get a good stunt person in. He like he plays a superhero. I'm sure there's a Mark Ruffalo stunt person. Mark Ruffalo was so cute in this movie. Anyway. Um. He, he is. And I, he gets to stretch himself a bit as well. Yeah. Um, which I like for him because he's, yeah, he just seems like a really nice person. <laughs> I really <laughs> like him and I want him to do well for himself. And you know how you just feel that way about some actors? He's one yes, of them. I, I always, I'm always like on his side. For him. Yeah, exactly. He's like Mark and, Rylance, and it's interesting actually. because this character especially is kind of an odd one. Yeah. Because they have to balance what they did in the first movie mm. and try to kind of justify that in this yeah. one. So they, in the first movie, they don't have to justify yeah. that at all. So they retcon in actually a pretty good backstory for him. Actually, you know, at the very beginning when they do that very, very obvious foreshadowing twins, huh, line, yeah. <laughs> I thought that was going to show that he was a twin and yeah. that actually, like, his twin was a magician and there was an FBI agent or something like that. Yeah. Like, I thought that somehow that was going to be part of it, but yeah. no, it was just, like, Woody Harrelson had a twin had that a just twin. got revealed at a really strange time. Yeah. Also, the best magic trick in the whole movie happens at that time when they go down the tube and yes. fall out of it in China. Yes, that's an amazing trick. Yeah, that's oh, the best God. part of and, the whole. Well, yeah, that is the best trick. And then the best bit is Daniel Radcliffe showing them the video afterwards of their trip to Macau. <laughs> yes, that was um, also yeah, great. Yeah. But yeah, um, no, that was amazing. Like, really well done trick. And the, and the disappearing into water trick. that Like, the yeah. whole Jesse Eisenberg water part yeah, yeah. was great. Um. And like I think also some of the Dave Franco card bits were really good. I think they way overdid it because mm. um, some of them were really, really quite impressive. Yeah. And I would have liked to – like if that scene in the um, in the vault mm. had been two minutes shorter, like if it had oh, just been – the... Oh, my God, it was ridiculous. If they had just had the beginning of it, yeah, like flick to each person – and then and then finish with Woody Harrelson, mm. and then he's got to do the hat trick to get yeah. through. Fine, like that would have been perfect, you know. Like, yeah, but it goes on and on and on. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, we're like fifteen minutes in, and I'm done now. Yeah, that, that that's it. That's all I got to say about that movie. No, um, oh, well, I mean, it it was you know, elfin. it is amusing. That was another oh, really elfin, funny yes, line. Made a joke about. Daniel Radcliffe, yeah. Um, they, he was talking about how he and his partner were like the Beatles, and they, if they, if I knew the Beatles were Elfin, <laughs> which was yeah, really funny. Sometimes. Also, they're nothing like the Beatles. No, it's, yeah. Sometimes the script was funny. Well, I yeah. feel like a lot of that stuff was not. Oh, ad maybe not yeah. script. Um, or uh, or maybe a lot of the bad stuff was like rewrites from other mm. people or something like that. Yep. to try and clarify the movie and then. Um, but there was there was a terrible line of dialogue that Michael Caine says as he gets into a car, mm. and then they reveal the Morgan Freeman's next to him, and you're like, yeah, we we knew that. Of course he but is. Of course that was who it was. Um, yeah. But but there's a well, line that he says that he where he talks about how he doesn't feel any remorse for what happened. Yeah. And you're like, that was such a weird line, and it's so badly delivered by Michael Caine. Yeah. Well, actually, you just remind me of another bit of unnecessary foreshadowing was when they're in the back of the magic shop and, and they, they make a whole big thing. They linger on the disappearing coffin thing. Yeah. And then, and then we'd go away from it and then Martin Fre- Morgan Freeman. Martin Freeman. <laughs> Different person. Yeah. He, also Elfin. Um, and and um, Morgan Freeman's like, ooh, the disappearing coffin. And then they move away from it again. And then we see him again. And then we move away from it again. And then we see it again. And then finally he bloody disappears into it. 
I would like to point out, Martin Freeman is not Elfin. He's a hobbit. <laughs> no. Um, but, yeah, the, uh, the I feel like they they took the Chekhov's gun principle way too far in this movie. Like, they set up everything so heavily mm. that you're like, yeah, I know. Yeah. I get it. I also feel like that they kind of took too long in China and should have gone to London a bit earlier mm-hmm. and had them set up things in London a bit more and yep. gone through that process. Because you don't see any of them setting it up. It's just so it's suddenly New Year's Eve. There's no indication that it is the week after Christmas anywhere, but no. suddenly it's New Year's Eve in London. And But there's also, yeah, they just kind of like, they have to go to London, they get on a plane and they go. We don't, everything else, you sort of see them buying things and going to the magic shop and like, all we get this time is that the people who are in the magic shop are like, yes, we're here to help. And and I think they reveal themselves as the eye. Yeah, they do. And then, yeah, that's one it. of the biggest problems with this whole franchise is that reliance on the mystical mumbo jumbo mm. stuff, the eye and the secrets yeah. and that stuff, which is uh, you've got quite good actors and some of the characters are kind of, especially, you know, Dylan was pretty interesting in this movie and they, a lot of the actors are quite having fun doing this. So we need to rely on them a bit more to do that and, and yeah. not qu- rely quite so much on all this, like, I Robin Hood, like, secret yeah. mystical crap business. I just don't think it adds anything. Um, and, in fact, it's quite distracting. Mm. Um, you could just stick with the Robin Hood idea of they want to be magicians who, like, use their trickery to help, you know, the leverage idea. Yeah, that's right. Um, there's so much, there's so many things that I was thinking about. Uh, yeah, and there's, but, I yeah. mean, and there's also something about, you know, talking through showing the artistry of being a magician. You said the, you said to me when we sat down, you were like, I really wish they put Neil Patrick Harris in these movies. Because yeah. Neil Patrick Harris is a magician and he's also like, he works with like the magicians union and stuff and he keeps this magicians club open in LA and he's really, really into the history and the artistry of it all. And there is artistry in it. Well, and he, there is, he put it, magic into his, like, you know, the big Tony's opening where he did the, um, yeah. the Broadway's bigger. Yep. And he, he, he had a magic trick in the middle of that just cause he could do a magic trick mm. in it. He really loves yeah. magic. He did it all the time on How I Met Your Mother. Yeah. Like I feel sad that he doesn't get to be involved in this. I know, for example, like David Copperfield is involved in this, who is a magician. Yeah. He was a producer. Um, and he, he's got this reputation as being e- egotistical and slightly wacky and all that kind of stuff. But he well, actually, yeah, but everybody, does, nearly everybody yeah. in this movie is egotistical yeah, and, and, slightly, and wacky, slightly wacky. So. And he kind of clearly, you know, obviously has an appreciation for the art form. And I, they kind of, there could actually be some more of that. Mm. Um, I think that there, there kind of is, but it got, it gets a bit lost in all the flash and the pomp and circumstance yeah. of the movie. Um, mm-hmm. I, but I, you can see that in little bits of it. Like when they go to the magic shop, he talks about how he wants all these certain things and he mm. wants them in plastic. And that was kind of fun. We don't need to know what those are, mm. but it's nice to see that there's this kind of yeah, like professionalism. Yeah, and then there's this bit that Danny Radcliffe talks about the real magic science, and you're like, science and the idea of magic are very different yeah. things. Yeah, I, that was where I was going to go next, actually. Yeah, that he kind of says that, but it's not – his science doesn't seem particularly great. In fact, it seems a lot like science fiction, <laughs> and I, it, it is the – The plot, magic chip. Yeah, it is the plot of multiple other movies. <laughs> Fast and the Furious. Yeah. Um, was when I was thinking, oh, I was like, that's, yeah. that's literally the thing yeah, from Fast Furious and Furious, 7, right? right? Yeah. Um, yeah, no, that, that, that kind of idea has been floating around a lot in these yeah. movies. But also the, 
like they could have done more with the idea of their privacy being lost because these are people who value yeah. their privacy so much, especially with Dylan mm-hmm. being outed um, and yeah. Dylan hitting rock bottom and stuff. That was really kind of interesting. Yeah. Um, that could have been really interesting. And like in the world of cell phones and all that mm-hmm. sort of stuff, then um, privacy is lost because everybody can see everybody yep. all the time. Privacy is lost in, in service of convenience. Right. And that's fine. And, and the, uh, but there's also maybe there's a story in there about how, you know, it is kind of magic that now we can o- open up our phone and video chat with anybody at any time and all these other cool things that, like, the reasons that we gave up our privacy. Yeah. I, I don't know. I like the idea that, of them sticking with the um, the magic is stuff that that uh, yeah. we don't expect and right. things like that. Right. And there is also something about the magicians being, yeah, the kind of people who want to live off the grid entirely. Yeah. Um, that was all really kind of... Yeah, fun. Mm. I don't know. I, I do. I feel like the a lot of the cast really kind of had fun and likes each other too. Yeah, maybe yeah. not so much Jesse Eisenberg, but the other guys but really if you, do. If he is, as you say, quite anxious, he might just be. You know, it might just come across like that. He might actually yeah. be perfectly nice, but he just, you know. Um. Yeah, and I don't think the role really does much for him. I think they mm. sort of tried to give him more to do in this one, but that was. It's not a. It's not a nice role, and they open mm. with him betraying everybody too yeah that was really funny though because there's a bit um not in the opening but the their big octa show yeah that they do where there's some where daniel radcliffe talks but he's disguising his voice except and you I, can tell you can that tell it's, it's him. daniel radcliffe <laughs> you can like hear daniel radcliffe underneath. yeah i don't i don't think it's meant to be a surprise though because like we know he's in the movie we know he's the villain like i i yeah. do think it's, yeah i'm not sure if it was supposed to because, be because uh, well because it, some the voice would start out really disguised and then you would hear him talking in his normal voice and it go back to disguised and no it was all i think it was always disguised but there's a lev- layer underneath it like uh, you can hear him underneath but it's always like distorted right um well, it did there was a so it didn't always sound like him, but when it did, it really did. There are also some really clever things that I think maybe the director did mm-hmm. um, that are really funny. Like there's a, you know, when they're going down the tube and they cut to Owen Case and he's still saying everything that Woody Harrelson is saying in his ear and he goes, ah, yeah, <laughs> really funny. That was great. Yeah. Um, I think there are some like, like, I think that the director, I haven't, I don't know what else he's done. But I think he could be quite good. I John M. Chu, I've seen his name floating around quite a bit in the last couple of okay. weeks. Like I've started to see his name buzzing around um, in relation to a few things. I think I think he's either in the running for a big new film or something like that. I, I'm trying to think off the top of my head where I've seen him been a cut in the last couple of weeks. But yeah, he's starting to get a bit of a profile. Well, I I thought that he uh, he did a good job with this movie. I think the way it was shot was really nice. Um, there are some really fun shots, like long sh- long takes that mm-hmm. aren't show-offy long takes. They're just really fun ones. There's a good sense mm-hmm. of um, visuals. There's a really great shot where the guys are, um, the, the horsemen are kind of sort of in shadow in front of a really beautiful chandelier diamond yeah, yeah, wall thing. Yeah, a couple of nice shots um, like that. Yep. Yeah, things like that that I thought, like, I think the visuals of this movie are really clever. There's a, also a nice bit when Dave Franco slides underneath the thing where they're stealing the chip from. Mm. Um, and the yes, way they used yes. that, the way he used that room was really good. Right. That If that had been so much shorter, it would have been so much better. It would have. I agree. But I'm, I'm now just thinking about like the, you know, I, I think it was, um, and that the you know cinematography and 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 directing were really good in mm. this. Yeah, uh, they they kind of used the locations really well. They used the Macau setting in a different way to how they used London. Yeah, um, and I thought that was clever. Um, 
and uh, there are some really nice interesting shots mm-hmm. and it keeps the movie dynamic yeah. because because so much of this is like um the misdirection and, and fakery and stuff the having that kind of moving camera and that sense of like that dizzying swirl yeah, kind of stuff is really make good. make you not know where to look yeah yeah i thought that was really fun and clever i liked that a lot um yeah so i think that i, I mean i don't know what else he's done well I think i'm about could, to tell you but this is why I've heard his name. He's attached to direct the In the Heights movie. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. But you also him know him, him from so unlike some other directors who came up through Fast and Furious, he's come up through the Step Up movies, and he directed oh, the that second makes sense. and third Step Up films, a bunch of Justin Bieber videos, um, and some really crappy stuff: GI Joe Retaliation and Gem and the Holograms. But it. It does make sense that yep. he does musicals and yeah, stuff. Yeah, music videos. Like yeah, he's a music yeah director. Like I can see that. He's in got this a touch movie. of yeah. You got a touch of um Kevin Tancherowen. who's yes. also done some of those. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Well, I hope he gets. Well, the the problem is there's not a lot of good musical movies to direct. No. Um. But in the Heights, I'm sure will be one because yeah. Uh, I that's a oh, great. Oh, no, this is and, also why I've heard him. He's going to direct the Crazy Rich Asians movie. You know that book, Crazy yes. Rich Asians. Yeah, he's going to direct that. I do not know the book, but I I've heard of that movie. Oh yeah, the, that is why I've seen him because he's been in, in when being interviewed about that. He talks about the ethnic mix he wants in his cast and who, how he's going to cast and how he wants to make it. Um, and he's like, and I just hope they let me. <laughs> well, In the Heights should be interesting on mm. that front as well because it's um um a multi ethnic right, cast exactly. Um, and Lin Manuel Miranda. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, that's really awesome. I'm glad that he yeah. gets to do an an actually good, um, musical. And yes, but, and yeah, we're getting can... another musical movie. We never get musical movies. I know it's so unfair and it's so rare. Yeah, I can I can really see the influence of like being a dance director or a m- yeah. like music based director. Yep. On it, this especially, movie, yeah, and the music videos. Although, well, I think Do- Justin Bieber's one of them is like a documentary. Um, but still, that kind of co- shooting concerts and things, shooting live performance stuff, mm. yeah, yeah, exactly. It gives it, it. It is that sense of that kinetic energy sense mm. in the in the performance scenes, in the scenes where they're actually doing the magic for everybody, which I think this movie could have used a lot more of. Actually, it it kind of you don't get a lot of those um, in this one, and I feel like it could have used more of them uh, instead of that incredibly long vault scene. Also, the vault scene thing. I um they brought back the guard, yeah, at the, the end, end as one of the eye members, and you're like, but that just means that you guys didn't actually do a trick at all. You didn't have to do anything there, Ugh. so that just makes that whole scene pointless. Yeah, which is really annoying. That's not cool. Like mm. the the guys in the magic shop being the eye makes sense to me. Yeah. I get that. That's fine with me. Um, also, there's a weird disconnect because the eye is always watching you. But they don't want you to be invading privacy, and then like the other thing, like so. Yeah. No, I know because the eye are magic. Mm. Um, I, yeah, I think the eye just needs to be dropped. <laughs> and because it's the magic shop owners from Macau, it's also like got this weird Orientalism mysticism, Oriental mysticism thing in there, like that sort of oh, they you know the old Chinese lady, she must be magic kind of. She did stuff. own a magic shop, right? I know that, but it's that um. It's that Orientalism of it, the way, that I, sort of. I get what the, you're, where the you're mis- coming the from. Mystical foreigners, but the, the exotic. first person we've been introduced to as one of the eye was Dylan, mm. 
or like working for the Eye with Dylan. And the other people we've been introduced to were Morgan Freeman and Mustachioed Man. Mm-hmm. Um, and these are people who owned a magic, sh- the first ever magic shop. Yeah. If anybody's going to be the Eye, it's going to be these guys because they are the owners of the first ever magic mm-hmm. shop. Yeah. And like Dylan's dad and stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I, I mean, there is that kind of mysticism element, but. I don't you, know how they could possibly not do yeah. it in this Did you one. also spend the entire movie waiting for Dylan's dad to come back? Because I kept no, thinking I, I, I knew do it. he was Unt- dead. Well, yeah, until I realized what a horrible trick that would be to pull on a kid. Yeah, that's, that's – um, It was uh, until – yeah, it was only later on I was like, no, that would be terrible to have kill off a 10-year-old's father and then, like, surprise. Yeah, even in this mo- in these movies where, like, tricks are pulled at the expense of almost everything else, yeah, that I seemed don't a bit think much. they would – portray him as such a loving father and then have him fake his own yeah, no, death that just doesn't seem while right. his child watches. Yep. No, I didn't think that was the, uh, yeah. It just for I a long that, time though I was like cuz cuz they kept they kept doing foreshadowing the fake death thing and I was just like is he going to be not dead? Well, I think that that, that is really a it, it's the um stakes. Yeah. It's keeping the stakes there knowing that you can die doing a lot of these tricks yeah. means that there's still stakes involved. Yeah, yeah. Um and and it also, you know, um, I don't think they would have done that scene where uh, Dylan was put in the safe either. No. Um, that was much too raw for them to put in with also him being alive. Um, I, t- I really liked how gleeful Daniel Radcliffe was at both of those things. I just, I really liked <laughs> oh, Daniel Radcliffe. But, yeah, no, he was good. Although, like, they literally just dropped the safe in the water and then bugged it off into their cars. Yeah, they didn't safe wait. was magic. <laughs> I'm mad they didn't wait to see. Like, that was the whole point of the trick. Um, at when Dylan's dad did it, is that you know you wait three minutes? No, none of that. Th- that was ridiculous. It was so stupid that that was their plan. And and again, so many of the plans involve a lot of luck mm. for them to be able to function at all. Yeah, like they they're not dependent entirely on you know skill. There's a, there's a lot of luck involved. Mm. Um, and uh, and. <laughs> I, I swear I talk about leverage more than any other show on this podcast. But one of the things about leverage that was really good that they always did was when something went wrong, we were always privy to how they were going to make it right and fix it. Mm. And it was always interesting to watch the jobs go wrong because it was interesting to see how they would fix it on the fly. Yeah. And that was really fun. And in this movie, we don't get to be privy to that information. Like the whole last big bit, is entirely dependent on like them pretending things are going wrong, but the movie, well, the audience is supposed to think it's really going wrong, except we know it's not really going wrong. Yeah, there's too much of that double crossing the audience. There's too, it just they're it, they do it too many times for you to ever believe them. Right, and it's not like a magic trick where they're going look over here and and you know what it reminds me of is um Ocean's Twelve. Oh yeah, not eleven and thirteen where we got a chance to actually see what the trick was, but twelve where the trick was something that was introduced so early in the movie and we barely even knew about it. And then yep. at the end of the movie, they're like, "Surprise! It was this all yep. along." And you're like, "But we couldn't. Yep. We had no chance of knowing that." Yeah, I think that- and that's what I, that's what annoyed me coming out of this is that there's t- way too much of that. Yeah, I agree. I just it's flashy and pretty and fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I I think a lot of the the appeal of this movie for me was in the technique, you know making it it was and and but with the actors i think yeah there's a little bit a fair bit in the charm of the cast as well like woody harrelson makes a sterling joke about a very expensive bottle of champagne yeah yeah that was really funny i want yeah and i wonder if some of his were were ad-libbed as you say but he just makes some absolute crackers yeah and 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 genuinely looks like he's having fun exactly both of his characters and and um also woody harrelson and dave franco have a very kind of Mm. real kind of yeah (laughs) 
thing <laughs> yeah. going, like yeah, you know, chemistry. affection going on. I think. Mm. Um, and and Lizzie Kaplan just kind of slots right in there and works quite well. Yeah. I didn't like the romance storyline, oh, but gonna I feel say like they that, shoehorned that in. But I feel like that was, they, you know, I yeah, but and what I'd are you also do right? yeah, and I'd forgotten there was apparently a romance story in the first one as well. With Jesse Eisenberg and Isla yeah, Fisher. Yeah, I guess that must have been a what thing. What are you going to do, right? I can't, like, I can't remember it, but obviously it was there. Like I like I said, I, I barely remember the first one. No. And I know I went to see it at the movies. I, I feel like I might remember this one a bit better. Mm. Well, because knows. we had to review it. Oh, it's, I, all, you, it's always easier I to I always review. review movies, though. I, I review I all of them. I the last one came out before we – oh, no, we were doing the podcast, but we saw it at different times and we never got to actually do it on the show. Yeah, but I write reviews of all of yeah. them. So mm. I – Nice. Obviously, the first one was uh, not very memorable. But yeah, I, I mean, this is, it's such a silly kind of franchise. It's kind of amazing that it got a sequel at all. Yeah. Well, um, I, I think there's just like this, there's just this desperation for anything that's new or different. It's not a, it's not a spin off. It doesn't have a comic book. It's like, it's actually an original piece of material that someone's come up with. Yeah. So I think there's like some of that excitement for something different and new to get its own franchise. Yeah. Anyway. Do you want to give it a rating? Um, yeah, two and a half out of five. Um, yeah, I'm going to give it two and a half as well. I think. I don't know. Yeah, two and a half. Yeah, fair enough. I feel like I I enjoyed this a lot more than the other movie that I gave two and a half stars to, but at the same time, it's not good. <laughs> no, it's not good. Um, thank you very much for listening to the Silver Screen Queens podcast. If you would like to find show notes or old episodes, they're on our website, silverscreenqueens.com. If you want to find us on social media, we are on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash silverscreenqueens. On Twitter at screen underscore queens and on Tumblr, tumblr.silverscreenqueens.com. Thank you for listening. Bye. Bye.